We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey everybody, welcome in to the OBR Film Breakdown. It is your uh, Friday, June 30th, last day of June. We just went through an exercise uh, off air about how I go about using my knuckles to count the days. Know the days that have 31 and days that don't. Like I'm back in elementary school. Andy's I think you mean months. Me. I, did I say 31 yeah, days? Da- what did I days. say? Yeah, you said days. Whatever. It's the all days the that have 31. It's, it's June 30th, damn it. You guys are here. You're listening to us. <laughs> and... We're here to do a podcast about the Cleveland Browns. What's up, man? How's it going? Uh, <laughs> I'm good. Uh, very happy to be with you, as always. Um, definitely, uh, you know, now just kind of caught in a loop of thinking about um, time and how it flies and how we're, you know, this this uh, tomorrow, the Saturday, the 1st of July, will be three weeks to when the Browns uh, travel down to the Greenbrier. So um, we're basically, I think, at the midpoint of the six week quiet period that the NFL has reduced us to. And so, um, you know, news is, is we'll probably start picking up over the next few weeks as the, you know, decision makers get back in the building. Um, you know, you and I were chatting offline about, uh, maybe the Browns announcing their front office personnel moves at some point. I've, I've seen a few teams make that stuff public. The Buccaneers just announced that stuff. Uh, and so, Wondering if maybe we'll see some of that because I know the Browns every year, you know, guys get renewed, guys get promoted, guys get, you know, guys and 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 girls, you know, people of of all genders get moved around into different positions, and um, you know, it uh, it 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 never they never announce it when it happens. They always announce it at a much later date, um, I, which you know makes me wonder why they even do it. Anyway, uh, I do think news will start to kind of pick up between now and when they head to West Virginia. So, have you looked into the Greenbrier much? Have you ever been there? I have not been there, um, but I have looked at the I, I looked at the website and kind of poked around just in terms of like what it would be like to to be there. I, I I was thinking about it from the perspective of somebody who doesn't care about NFL football and books their vacation for the last week of July from like New York City or whatever, and then shows up and it's like, what is this? This place is not scream football to me. Now, no. some, some of you folks out there may have been there or know more about it than we do. I'm sure it's a big sprawling estate. They're going to figure it out. But I would be really interested if they 
would like give us the rundown on how they're doing it. That'd be kind well, of a cool episode, right? Yeah, I mean, have and I think they probably will. They they have um like if you go back to uh Google Saints Greenbrier from like a decade ago and you can see some of the pictures of how they set it oh. up. Okay, so this is not foreign a team. Yeah, the Saints uh, did it in 2014, I believe. Okay, I see it. It has happened this before gives and there's major Augusta vibes. Yeah, oh, it's very that. much the same type of, yeah. Yeah. Also, they have football fields and different things already uh-huh. in place. Yeah. The Saints yeah. were there. I think okay. I'm look, looking at an article from nola.com. The Saints were there for 3 years. All as, right. As a as a training camp. The Advocare uh, complex is what the name of it is. Is Advocare mm. still that pyramid scheme still working? Still rolling? <laughs> It was very big about 10 years ago. I didn't know yeah. it was still a thing, though. It's but really if it's interesting 2014, to me because, yeah. you know, the, the thing that's interesting to me about the Greenbrier is that I wonder if there's it's easier to sell to players because it's so luxurious. Like Possible, yeah. What, like, because there are plenty of places, uh, you know, remote places. To, I mean, you know, like the... What is it? The Steelers always go to some very small school, right? Like outside of Pennsylvania or outside of Pittsburgh and Latrobe, yeah. right? Um, and I know that the 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 Bears always go out uh, to Bourbon, like into the suburbs, you know. But uh, so there's other options for the Browns if they wanted like a like a boot camp type environment. But I, I just wonder, there's something about the Greenbrier being in like super rural west virginia maybe it's just as simple as like there's there's not even an uh an incentive to sneak out because truly you would have to sneak out and then drive for six hours to get to a city yeah it looks like the patriots were there in 2015 i'm seeing that as well okay yeah so patriots have rave it says patriots have raves for greenbrier resort in west virginia so so it's there's there's something there that we're not understanding that you know whether it's just the the luxuriousness or the uh, and now I'm seeing an article where Tony Jefferson with, for the Cardinals when they were there in 2015 for practices uh, said he saw a ghost or heard a ghost. Okay, that's a nice element to add to it. So I can see that a, a lot a lot is uh, a lot is on the table here for the last week of July. Should like I said, should be some news. Looks like the Texans were there not too long ago, 2017. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So teams are going from way farther than Ohio to go to the Greenbrier. Yeah. So I'll be very interested to hear what players have to say about it. And that's your update on unnecessary, gigantic, sprawling complexes in the West Virginia area that your football mm-hmm. team will be visiting. All right, so uh, as we go through the newswire, kind of looking at big things that stand out, you and I have spent some time on defensive tackle week here on this topic of Jordan Elliott. I think it's probably noteworthy that we mention the latest signee, Dalvin Tomlinson, has noted that he calls Maurice Hurst one of the biggest technicians at the position. So when your marquee signee points out that a player not on the expected roster, I don't think Maurice Hurst is on the expected roster, his biggest technician, it stands out a little bit, right? I mean, I think you're hoping for one of the Hurst-Hill combo to, to produce a roster spot. You know, Maurice Hurst has had some really nice seasons, but you know, if you're talking about some, the popular player to say that the, the those good seasons like Deshaun Watson happened years ago, Hurst is even further back. But there's no doubt he can play. It's just a matter of like it's 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 run of health here. Not only the heart condition he arrived in the NFL with, but but a big run. I, I'm kind of optimistic about watching him play. 
Yeah, I mean, those are those are some pretty uh, strong words from Dalvin Tomlinson. You know, I mean, of course, you know, uh, guys gas each other up all the time, you know, uh, in the NFL, it's like kind of a big part of it, but, uh, uh, yeah, no, I mean, he's, you know, he's got, he's got solid numbers and, and, you know, one thing I'll say about Hurst, uh, compared to some of the other players, um, you know, I mean, Tristan Hill I'm thinking of, and, and really even Dalvin Tomlinson, like he doesn't have as, as pronounced of a run defense pass rush split. Like he's, he's pretty good in both phases, which, um, I mean, he's definitely more of a pass rusher, but, uh, you know, if you look at like his, his rookie year, according to PFF, he was, he was actually slightly better in, in run defense, um, you know, and then kind of moved into more of a pass rush role his second season. So, um, you know, I, I think they're looking for consistent, decent production at the defensive tackle. That's the bar, right? It's just to, to be on the field, for 40 to 60% of the snaps and not be a liability. That's how low the bar is for the Browns. And um, <laughs> I, I mean, I really think Hurst, you know, it, it's, it's the classic caveat of if he can stay healthy is as good of a bet as anybody else to represent that sort of consistent production um, for the Browns. I wrote about Jordan Elliott uh, from the stance of like looking at what are the flashes that, that have given the Browns this, I don't know if it's a measure of hope that they, they, there's, he's clearly on the roster at this point. I mean, I guess it's the way to phrase it is why they keep going back to him and not feeling in in a dire need to replace him. That's probably the way to say that. Uh, I I posted it. I talked about his PFF grades. I talked about there could be a disconnect between a grade that a independent film review is giving a player and what the Browns front office actually thinks. Uh, But, but again, I have watched and not loved far too many snaps to me. Uh, the, the way I view defensive tackle play, Andrew, is if you come into the league with a relatively decent amount of athleticism and even uh, even guys without athleticism, just being a, a big human who can move and powerful, like you're going to have some flashes. You're just, you know, other big guys are sloppy. and <laughs> Sometimes you're going to catch a guard or a center or a tackle off balance and you're going to have yep. a play that looks really powerful. One of which I posted on my timeline of, of mm-hmm. Jordan Elliott. But like the consistency measure is the is the thing yep. like it, it, you have to be able to do the core foundation of your job often. And that's the only way you gain respect at that position. So to me, just kind of like pointing out that, yeah, this guy has flashes and he can look like a really good player several times a game. I, I mean, I don't know. Several might be a bit generous, but he's he does put together some plays that make you say, okay, I see how this guy could be viewed as a starter. But the consistency, lacking consistency side of it is where I am really stunned that they're going back to him. And I, and I you know, noted too that perhaps this change in role for him does allow for a potential better performance. Instead of holding the line or dump trucking it, as Schwartz calls it, trying to take on multiple people, if he's a gap shooter, maybe he's a bit better player. The problem with that is, he doesn't get off the ball. He's he's consistently one of the last guys off the football. He's not twitchy. He does not have great hand-eye coordination to to trigger a start off of a snap. Like he's he's pretty consistently a split second behind. And when you're not hyper talented uh, after the snap, you need to get every advantage you can. And that's something that's drove me nuts. Our own, um, you know, uh, film study guys. Like we've looked at this. Uh, John has looked at it when he came out of Missouri, and he was like, "This is." You can Stephenson. I should have noted, not Colosimo. Stephenson noted it when we wrote up his film review. 
he's he's laid off the football and that mm-hmm. has carried into the NFL. So mm-hmm. that's why my continued hope for who he can be is not very high. Um, but again, if they can figure something out for that or work around it uh, to try to put him in positions to succeed, I guess I, guess I can see because there are some times where he will put together a move. He will catch somebody off guard and, and bull rush through them. So, you know, I it, it it's sort of a mystery here, but he's clearly their baseline for a defensive tackle. Now we'll see if they want to upgrade it. There are names out there to upgrade it still, but he's the baseline. Yeah. I mean, like the, to, to your point about flashes, you think about, you know, kind of what the Browns have asked him to do and it has kind of changed over the years. Right. But, but, but there is, you know, in the NFL, no, should be relatively few easier assignments than being the, uh, you know, defensive tackle next to Miles Garrett and Jadevian Clowney, right? Like, uh, they, you know, he's never going to see a double team. Uh, he, you know, he's, he's going to have pretty clean looks. Uh, so he has had in my mind, sort of every opportunity to show that he can sort of consistently impact the game. Um, you know, and, and has failed to do that when you, you know, you know, I mean, I know that it's not necessarily fair to compare him to a player like Miles Garrett, but when you think about Garrett continuing to produce, despite being, you know, almost constantly double teamed, you know, sometimes triple teamed or chipped, um, you know, and his ability to still impact plays. And then you look at these, it's, and it's really, it's, I mean, we're talking about Elliot, but it's Tommy Togiai as well, um, you know, it's, it's Perry on Winfrey to a certain extent. It's, there's, there are question marks. And I think the, the thing that I keep coming back to with all of this, and I, and I wrote a column that you can read on the OBR about, you know, the, the team's sort of philosophy towards the position is Jordan Elliott was a third round pick in 2020. Tommy Togiai was a fourth round pick in 2021. Perry on Winfrey was a, a fourth round pick in 2022. Now Siaki Ika is a third round pick in 2023. Uh, based on that track record of the first three guys, I'm not expecting much from Siaki. Uh, certainly not this year, right, as a rookie. And so, you know, if you look at, you know, who Dalvin Tomlinson has been in his career, and then you look at the fact that other than that, and then these two kind of flyers on Hurst and Hill, the defensive tackles are the same guys from last year. Um, I think that it's, I think that the the narrative that has kind of, you know, that the Browns have quote unquote fixed this position this off season is really, is really overblown, right? Because you, you need to consider that Taven Bryan left and, and was the only player on that uh, defensive tackle uh, group last year that was decent against the run. You know, mm-hmm. I, I know that there are, there are flaws with PFF grades, but by PFFs grading as, as a rush defender, he was 64th in the NFL Dalvin Tomlinson was 41st. So from a run defense standpoint, it's, you know, it's, it's a small upgrade from Brian to Tomlinson. I, you know, from that, from that metric anyway. And then other than that, it's the same group of guys plus a third round pick this year from a general manager whose track record at the position drafting defensive tackles is I think poor, you know? So my fear is that they're getting kind of credit for revamping that position, but when the rubber meets the road, as as you said in your column, it's probably going to be Jordan Elliott out there. And, you know, how much of a difference do we see between Jordan Elliott and Dalvin Tomlinson versus last year Jordan Elliott and Taven Bryan? I mean, they're going to be flip-flopped, right? Because Tomlinson will be at the one and Bryan was at the three last year. But other than that, how much of a difference is it really going to be? 
I mean, they're paying him like it's going to be significant, but that's sort of the problem. I think the safe thing to, to say at this point is that people are letting their impressions of the improvements at the edge position to which I very much agree. I'm super excited about that trickle into this perception of the entire defensive line. You know what I'm saying? I think that you're exactly. saying something similar too. Exactly. That's right. They're, they're definitely saying the edge is so, the group is so much better. And a lot of people are sort of banking on the, some of those guys playing inside, which I get they, they just don't play inside the volume. I yeah. think they do. And so it's, it's still the run defense. That's the uh, the problem. Uh, I mean, I think yeah. their pass rush is going to be improved from, from the interior. Like Tomlinson yeah. is a legit pass rusher. Yeah. And I think between, you know, Hurst, uh, Elliot and, you know, Hill, whoever, even Winfrey showed some, some, some promise. I think they'll have an okay pass rush from, from the interior, but I think run defense, it's still going to be a lot of the same problems that we saw last year. Cause it's a lot of the same players. I would have to say that they're banking on Tomlinson being a primary run defender, right? Yeah. And that's what he's done his whole career. He's, sure. he's sure. notably a primary run defender, but that doesn't, you know, it's an injury away, but it's also one player in a, in a cog of a machine, right? So you have to hope that that sorts itself out. But yeah, I think that the large part here is that we are getting to the point where I think people have said the defensive line is solved because they feel, they feel that good about edge, which I do too, but that's not how it works. Yep. It's just not. So, yep. And um, if you were game planning for this Browns defense, you would look at last year's tape and look at what their roster looks like this year and conclude that you can probably do a lot of the same things. Yep. Like when you talk about that Titans game in week three, they're just going to run it right at them. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt. Even without Petit Freire, right? They're just going to – teams will challenge a run. They're going to challenge them, and we'll see if they're up for it this year. Hold hold on to the ball, yeah. So next piece of information that came out I I thought was at least relatively interesting is that multiple places, both Bleacher Report and – Pro Football Focus. Now, again, the guys who write this stuff are usually not hyper-focused on the team that we're talking about here, but they made a similar name suggestion. I think PFF was giving out one extension um, extension signing or uh, trade. I don't know. I can't remember, but they were like one of those. And then uh, Bleacher Report gave some names for the Browns uh, as, a, as a remaining signing. I think it was Ioannidis, J.D. McKissick. And then this name's come up twice, Miles Jack. I think it's probably Andrew just uh, people looking at the roster and thinking, where do they need help the most? And that identifies linebacker as the spot that they feel like the Browns need help the most. You know what I mean? So that's not a surprise to me, but I don't see them adding anybody there. I, I don't know what you feel about it, but I have a hard time seeing that come to fruition. Yeah. It's, it's a weird one to me because I don't know. I mean, based on what he has done, in the NFL, I don't know what Miles Jack does for this team that Anthony Walker doesn't do, or, uh, you know, um, I mean, even even Sione Takitaki filling in at middle linebacker last year, I think, was in a similar range. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, you know, like, would uh, yeah, we had this conversation when we talked about you know players that you would steal from other teams. Would you like to have a linebacker like Roquan Smith, you know, to to just like absolutely sort of wreck stuff in that? area of the field absolutely but uh you know that they're not going to spend that money they don't have that money to spend and miles jack isn't that player you know he's he's sort of another interchangeable part and i think they've already got their interchangeable parts at linebacker fair i i just it's it's a little weird to me that miles jack comes up in multiple spots and yeah i mean i i do think their depth is a concern just because taki taki and walker are both coming back from injury so 
I get it from the perspective of like, would you like maybe one more guy just in case? I, I like it from that perspective, but you know, you're not upgrading anything, I guess. So, I, yeah. you know, it's hard It'd to have to be excited cheap. about it. Yeah, it would have to be like that veteran salary benefit minimum thing that uh, Jack explained this offseason. The 33rd team says one X factor for every Cle- every team. The Cleveland Browns X factor this year is Elijah Moore. Agree or disagree? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I yeah, it's the X factor thing is always so hard, right? Because you just make it the quarterback and move on, right? I mean, that's how it, <laughs> that's how it works. Yeah. But, but non-quarterback division, certainly. I mean, I think um, the scope is there for the way that they want to use him and the amount that they want to use him for him to be a really impactful player. And I think, uh, you know, his abilities specifically are abilities that the team has, has sort of lacked at the wide receiver position other than Amari Cooper. And so, you know, you're hoping that between him and Cooper, they can kind of put teams in a little bit of a bind. But um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's tough, I think also, because I just don't know what reasonable expectations are for him at this point, because they've gotten so inflated. I saw somebody give this uh, actually was really fascinating. Dwayne McFarland, who does a pretty good job with fantasy football stuff, gave the Elijah Moore range of outcomes. He says they're pretty wild. Here's there's three scenarios. You ready? Scenario one, we see the same versions of Moore and Watson from 2022. So if that's the case, he says 40 targets, 24 catches, 285 yards, two touchdowns. Scenario two, we see something between the rookie version of Moore and the old version of Watson, which results in about 51 catches, 622 yards, and four touchdowns. Scenario three is we see rookie year Moore and vintage Watson, which is an 88-catch season. 1106 yards and 6.8 or seven touchdown season. I think that's pretty fair Yep. in terms of looking at outcomes. Um, so I think I'd probably settle in the middle and I would view 650 yards and 50 catches as a pretty solid season for him. So, I mean, for how much off season hype he's receiving, if he has 24, 25 catches for 285, 300 and a couple touchdowns, that'd be a pretty disappointing run here. And I don't think, if that happens, they probably have a pretty miserable offense. Yeah. Where I would yeah. lean. Yeah, or he's just he's just a, a bust and they're having to play everybody else over him, which would be, you know, disappointing in a different way. Yeah, but nonetheless, disappointing. Um yeah. all right, NFLPA hires Lloyd Howell as executive director. So DeMarie Smith was the former NFLPA board of uh, player representative. I just wanted to let everybody out there know who doesn't pay attention. Lloyd Howell's the name you need to know for that now. Used to be the CFO at Booz Allen Hamilton. There you go, everybody. You're updated on NFL news. The only thing we didn't hit on is Travis Kelsey said 50 to 80% of players smoke weed. Now, Travis Kelsey looks like a guy who knows a thing or two about weed. Um, Just, you know, just whatever. I don't care. Smoke some weed. It's great. I've done it. 50 to 80% of players use cannabis in the NFL. He says guys get it out of their system, stop smoking mid-July or some of them like a week before training camp and they just sweat it out. It's not a big deal anymore. It feels like we're finally catching up with this stuff fading away where it's just like, it's not a big deal. It's, it's a help helps people, helps guys cope with some of the mental stuff, the grind of football, the agony, the pain. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's encouraging to see that stuff out in the open because I think Kelsey got suspended for weed for like a season at Cincinnati in college. Yeah. Like, used to take these i mean the josh gordon stuff now i'm sure never really saw the result of josh gordon's failed drug tests could have been more involved here but from everything you always heard weed was a big part of it and uh it's like 
maybe we should finally as a society chill out on that a little bit. Feels like we're getting there. Yeah, it's definitely encouraging. It's funny. I've been I've been uh, rewatching a, 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 a TV comedy from like the late uh, aughts, you know, like 2008, 2009. And uh, there's uh, several plots that revolve around like the illegality and trouble that you can get in for like having a joint on you. And it's like, that was 15 years ago, man. Like a lot, <laughs> a lot has changed in that regard. And I think, yeah, to your point, like, especially given everything that NFL players go through to get their bodies ready um, on a week to week basis and, and, and some of the emerging science about the benefits of, uh, you know, marijuana as a, as a, a, a you know, a, more of a medicine than a drug. I mean, it's both, right? Like it's, you know, there's a lot of things out there like that. It's definitely one of them. Um, yeah, yeah I, I mean, I think, I think that there, there's, it's nice to not get caught up. It's like, ga- I mean, I guess the way I would say it is gambling is the new weed, right? Like <laughs> <laughs> it is now, in now sense, all these yeah. players are going to get caught for something else really stupid and ticky tacky. And, you know, it's always the same argument from people on the other side of it that they're, they're like, it's not the thing. It's that you got to be smart enough not to get caught doing the thing. And it's like, OK, man, cool. But I maybe... just want to put some points or some money on Giannis points and rebounds. What's the big right, deal? Exactly. Yeah, right. I, it's, right. I mean, to me, it's like maybe we just don't need the sport to have a bunch of really restrictive rules about how these guys live their lives. But it's a, it's a much larger conversation than probably we have time for here today. <laughs> yeah. Got to get some control somehow, apparently. Um, apparently. Apparently we're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to continue. Actually, we're not going to continue. We're going to wrap up the AFC. Somehow you and I have talked about every AFC team. So Except for the AFC North, that'll, that'll come later, right? That'll come later. Yep. Yeah. So we'll wrap up. I think we continue this path called the uncontender series. Now here where we, we did, uh, who do we do? Tennessee and the Raiders last time. Now we do the two teams that I think you could really consider in tear down rebuild mode with the Colts and the, and the Texans. So we'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio. All right, we start with the Texans. Marquee additions for this franchise. Dalton Schultz at tight end. Nice tight end. It's a good addition. Robert Woods, wide receiver, and Jimmy Ward, the safety. They lost. Brandon Cooks, Jonathan Owens, the safety, and then, as we know, uh, Obani Okoronkwo uh, was lost as well. Uh, 
now big big changes were made through the draft where they decided to forego two picks next year turn it into one pick at the top of the draft and another pick right away again so they have uh, not only did they take cj stroud they also have will anderson so two premium picks and i think the first time did they take will anderson third or fourth i can't remember was it third. fourth so third that was i think that's the first time we've seen like a really quick top four two two picks inside the top four since you know baker and denzel i believe um yep so they have a lot riding on those guys offensively the wide receiver group is dependent on john mechie who's their second round pick last year coming back from hodgkin's lymphoma i think is what he is uh, recovering from i don't know where he's at in that process um but it's other than that it's nico collins who i like it's a mm-hmm. third round pick in 21 teammate of donovan people's jones of michigan then robert woods who we referenced they drafted tank dell who's a very vicious route runner out of houston in the third round and then they took xavier hutchison the sixth round out of iowa state we talked about uh, the other pass catching threat dalton schultz so the offensive line they've they've put a lot of investment into this obviously laramie tunzel's as good as they come at tackle Kenyon green uneven first year but a first round pick left guard juice scruggs they took in the second round this year out of penn state shaq mason they brought over from tampa bay and then titus howard a former first round pick as well damian pierce Nice running back in a rookie situation last year. I expect that to continue. It's an interesting offense that has a little more potential than people think. I think if the wide receivers can be better, um, then then maybe we anticipate and C.J. Stroud comes in and hits the ground running. It's got a chance to be decent. Defensively, Will Anderson. We talked about Sheldon Rankins. They brought over from the Jets. They were a a four down front last year. I think D'Amico Ryan's the new head coach and Matt Burke, who the Browns were obviously very interested in. I think they're bringing a four down approach to it this year. So their other defensive end, Jonathan Grenard, they have a guy named Chase Winovich in their rotation. Jerry Hughes, who had a great year last year uh, as the other edge. Uh, linebacker group, Corey Littleton, Littleton, Denzel Perriman, Christian Harris. The secondary is some veterans at safety, Jimmy Ward. Um, one of them, MJ Stewart, another, and then Jalen Petrie, the second round rookie last year, who ended up having one of the worst graded seasons, but he had a lot of responsibility. But then Derek Stingley, early pick in the 22 draft. And then Steven Nelson, who came over from Philly, uh, who's a corner for him. And then Desmond King, who's been around the slot for a while as well. So I think that who are they? I think it's going to be dependent on they don't know who they are. And I think I'll say the same thing for the Colts. We don't really know who they are yet, but they're probably going to try to take on the personality of D'Amico Ryans, who, who just brings an attitude, a, a, a real get after it approach from his time in San Francisco, where he got so much out of those defenses, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, I think you can make an argument if Ryans is one of those guys, you know, defensively that, that you could make an argument that this defense could be pretty good, I guess. I mean, I, you know, I, I think that they have some talented players. I mean, if Will, if Will Anderson, you know, largely considered to be one of like the safer picks uh, at the top of the draft in the last few years, if he's a contributor right away, um, you know, they, I think they have a few different places they can get that pass rush. You mentioned Jerry Hughes. And so, mm-hmm. you know, the secondary has some pieces as well. And I think, you know, D'Amico Ryan's, I, I have a lot of kind of respect for what he did in San Francisco. And I, I think that it's a, you know, Going back to January, like a great hire by them to get a guy who has such a connection to the franchise, a guy with that sort of personality after they have been, uh, you know, so solidly um, uh, 
rudderless in terms of personality, you know, ever since the Bill O'Brien thing blew up, uh, you know, and then they, they traded Watson. And, and so now it's like they have they have really been identity free over the past two years. And so yeah. um, I think Lovey Smith run was weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the last it's been it's been real strange. And I, I, I still don't like the 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 front office guy, uh, Nick Casario, but um, I do like D'Amico Ryans. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm interested to see what they become. Like you said, I don't think they do have an identity, but I think he's the type of coach that can give them that. Um, yeah. And and if he does, I think it'll probably be defensive. Uh, you know, given what you said, kind of about the the questions about not only the weapons on offense, but then also like the the coordinator they brought over from San Francisco. You know, worked for PFF for a long time. Does not have like a a lot of track record as a play caller in the NFL, or or really at all as a play caller. So. That's always a black box, right? I mean, we know Mike McDaniel, you know, came out to Miami and and did it last year, and 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 it's like, oh, that was a slam dunk. Yeah, it's it, it would be asking a lot for for Bobby Slowick to kind of turn turn into that sort of a performance where it's like, oh yeah, he's just one of the best offensive coordinators in the league, apparently. Yeah, so he played at Michigan Tech back in the oh six oh seven oh eight range, and then was with Up the Redskins as a defensive assistant. Yep. And then took that time away. I think between 14 and 16 probably was like you mentioned at PFF. Yep. And then was with San Francisco defensive quality control, offensive assistant, offensive pass game specialist. And then in 22 offensive pass game coordinator. So I think, it, I mean, they're, they're trying to be the San Francisco of the South, right? Like right. That, that's that's right. the general thing they're out there trying to do. So we'll see if that comes to fruition. They have nice pieces. I mean, season deciding X factor to me. And, and I know you jokingly had said that every quarterback could be, but it feels like right. it's just how far CJ Stroud is, you know, ready to to take his rookie season. If they mm-hmm. get decent CJ Stroud play, there's enough weapons here, guys who have been around guys who have talent to, to put together an offense that moves the football, especially if they're going to be yeah. heavy wide zone play action influence to, right. to put himself in a position to succeed right away. So, um, yeah, I mean he's the X factor, and I and I think when we're looking at the better or worse thing, like I think it's pretty clear they're better. They added a lot of definitely draft premium talent, and they actually, like you you men- mentioned, have some sort of mental angle for this is our path, this is who we can become, and that that is meaningful. So yeah, you know, yeah, I mean going into last year with Davis Mills as your starting quarterback, you know, it, you you are are light years ahead of that if you've got a guy like C.J. Stroud ready to go. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think there's potential. I think that there's, you know, that you could see, you could see a scenario in which it, it goes well for them. And, you know, it, it'll be interesting. I think the AFC South is so interesting because we, we generally expect the Titans, the Texans and the Colts to all struggle, uh, to, to, to different extents. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you give Rabel the leg up maybe because he's done it for a while, you know, and, and, and Ryan's and, uh, Steichen are both first time head coaches. And so, you know, does does Rabel kind of have the same season as he did last year, where like they start out hot, but then they kind of fade down the stretch? And you know, as Stroud and um, uh, Richardson get their feet underneath them, maybe the, those teams come on towards the end of the year. I, I think the AFC South will be uh, less competitive, especially outside of their division. But I think some of those inter interdivision games could actually be weirdly interesting, uh, despite the fact that the teams are not considered to be that talented. Very fair. Very fair. I think that if I was a Texans fan, I would just feel so much more optimistic than I have in the past where I've just felt like in at least the last two years, it's like we're just collecting players. Like, who are these players and where are we going with them? So 100 percent. 
optimism is there, but they're still outside. They're the tier five guys. Yep. Uh, Colts now, marquee additions. Samson Ebicom is a nice edge that was uh, with San Francisco before. He will help them. Gardner Minshew comes in to be a bridge quarterback between, uh, you know, Philadelphia with Steichen, where he was familiar, obviously, and helping out, uh, you know, Anthony Richardson the way he will. Uh, they added Matt Gay, the kicker. Subtractions, Stephon Gilmore, Bobby Okariki, and the, the linebacker, and then Paris Campbell at wide receiver are their big losses. The Yannick Ngakwe also still out there on the free agent market. Was a little bit of Lamar Jackson buzz there, but never much came of it. This is uh, the case for pretty much everything around. Yep. Uh, I, I, I think there's still some stories to be written about that at some point. How weird. Yeah, I hope they get out. Because that whole thing was so strange. And I, I don't, I really don't understand why teams were not being cutthroat about chasing him and trying to take it, take a player away or what the precedents, what, like there's something eventually, yep. whether it's a book or just a huge article, it needs to be written. Anyway, Colts now. So Shane Steichen comes in. The OC, Jim Bob Cooter, best name in football. DC is Gus Bradley coming over from Las Vegas last year, I believe Gus Bradley was there. So wide receiver group has plenty to like. Michael Pittman, fun player. Alec Pierce, nice flashes his rookie season. Isaiah McKenzie comes over from Buffalo. They draft Josh Downs, who had some late first-round buzz but falls to round three. They take him there. Ashton Doolin has made strides, so that's a that's a fun group. The tight end group led by Jelani Woods, who's an athletic freak of nature, a third-round pick last year who had some moments. Mo Alley-Cox is around. You're hoping for a healthy Jonathan Taylor. They bring in Zach Moss over from Buffalo to be his backup. And then, as we know, the offensive line has been pretty familiar names here for a while. Braden Smith is a nice tackle for them. They did end up starting a guy named Will Fries. He might say freeze, but he spells yeah, he it fries. Yeah, um, is one of their guards opposite of Quentin Nelson. We know is a fantastic guard. Ryan Kelly is a nice center for them, and then uh, Bernard Ra- uh, Raymond is uh, is the other tackle. So there's some weak spots on that offensive line, but there's still obviously the core of it between Kelly Nelson and Braden Smith is still in place. Anthony Richardson, obviously Gardner Minshew, and then Sam Ellinger will just sort of float around and be probably their third quarterback. I would imagine defensively, they get Quiddy pay Grover Stewart DeForest Buckner and Samson. Ebicom. That is as formidable a front as you will find. Yeah. That's nice. I think if Quiddy pay is the guy you think he is, it's a nice group. Um, Zaire Franklin steps into a contributing role for them at linebacker. Like we mentioned with Okariki gone, EJ Speedwell as well. They still have Shaq Leonard, the all pro in the middle. The secondary is um, interesting. They lost Isaiah Rogers, so they lost a player that's uh, an important part of what they did. They did draft Darius Rush, and they did draft Julius, now known as Juju is what he goes by, Brents, in the second round this year. Julian Blackman, Rodney Thomas, Nick Cross, safeties for them, fun players. Uh, Kenny Moore is the other. He's the nickel corner for them. I, I, there's a lot to like on this roster. Um, and I do think that I understand. If you look at and understand why a lot of these pieces were already here, you certainly can understand why they were just chasing quarterbacks that you could get a really good year out of. You know what I mean? Because yep. there's a lot of pieces to really like here, but they took a swing on a quarterback that the rest of the roster is going to have to prop up. So the who are they aspect here is, can to me it's can the rest of the roster prop up a young quarterback because i don't think they're going to be starting gardner Minshew for a while even if he gets the nod right away 
Yeah. They, I mean, I don't think they should. Right. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I think considering their division and, and kind of where they are in the hierarchy, I think they're better off just kind of figuring out Richardson from, from day one. Um, and to your point, you know, between Taylor and, and uh, what, you know, if it comes back to form, what should be a pretty good offensive line, they should be in a position to, um, you know, n- sort of nurse the rookie along, you know, uh, bit by bit as they uh, as they can run the ball and run the ball with the quarterback as well. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think offensively there are pieces and, and how it comes together with a young quarterback is obviously the question. Defensively, I'm I'm a little bit more. I mean, that secondary is rough, rough stuff. And uh, um, you know, I, I think you know uh, there's certainly potential. You take a player in the first round like Quiddy Pay, you expect him to turn into something. But we haven't really seen much of it yet. I mean, I like their defensive tackles, but I think you know I, I don't think Gus Bradley's you know like uh, propping up a, a mediocre defense. And so I think there's enough holes there to kind of wonder what what they're going to look like on defense this year. Um, and if the offense is going to have enough juice to kind of overcome some of the liabilities of the defense. So I'm, I would say that, you know, with them in Houston, if you combine the rosters, I think you have a wild card team, you know, cause they, <laughs> the pieces kind of mesh. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, obviously then you'd have two shots at making the quarterback thing work with either of those first round picks. But, uh, but, but overall two teams that, that have just, you know, too many questions to really be taken seriously. But I, yeah, I think um, to me, the X factor with the Colts is really just like that coaching staff. Just, you know, I mean, I know that Steichen gets a lot of the credit for what the Eagles have done over the past, uh, what, year and a half with Jalen Hurts. But yeah. uh, we we have seen this before where the guy gets the head coaching job a little early and maybe is good at the play calling piece, but is not as good at the other stuff that comes along with it. And you've got a guy like Gus Bradley who's done it for a long time, but I, I think there's reasons to wonder, you know, and, and I just think this this organization has proven to be so volatile with the, the owner being so involved that I think there's reasons to wonder kind of where this goes. Question for you. This is one that it's really been kind of you're talking there, making great points, grinding my gears. You know, when I was growing up, I had a nickname, Burnsy, that people would call me. What do you think that, the friends of Jim Bob Cooter are calling him. Yeah. Yeah. JB maybe would be his, probably his best bet. Not like coots or anything like that. Ooh, that's, that's, that's edgy. You know, that would be pretty edgy. If you, okay. if you walked around the building with people shouting that at you, I think that, I think it's possible. I think it's possible, but that's a lot of personality. Hey, Cooter. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I don't. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> You know, name changes are legal, man. That's all I'll say. <laughs> Good stuff, man. All right, season deciding X factor. It's probably the quarterback again. It's yeah. it's how decent is Anthony Richardson? Is he going to re- is he recreating Josh Allen's rookie season, which was okay? This guy clearly cannot throw anything past a first read open, but he can run. He can take off when things will get uncomfortable for him and make something out of nothing keep us on schedule, give us some first downs because he can use the legs. So if he can do that, um, you can, you can hope that he can grow that the, the path of Josh Allen, which is really scary because some teams are leaning into that as a way to recreate toolsy quarterbacks that you can recreate this path that Josh Allen went down. And uh, Anthony Richardson to me screams a similar approach. Um, we'll just, we'll have to see, but he, he certainly his ability to, to, to function in a, 
respectable offense is going to decide their season. Uh, just like Matt Ryan did last year, right? I mean, yeah. he couldn't do it. He was terrible. Right. And Agreed. It, yeah. it, uh, it trickled over the rest of the roster uh, yeah. in a it, lot of ways. I would just say, I mean, this is maybe a bigger picture thing than the X Factor thing, but I think the Colts have a little bit of what the Browns have where they have had continuity with the general manager for a few years now. Chris Ballard's been there for a while. Mm-hmm. And he has kept a lot of his guys, you know, like there are a lot of names on this roster that you really think of as Colts, right? Um, yep. Shaq Leonard, Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly. I mean, there's a list, right? Uh, and the results haven't been there. And I think it's this interesting thing where every year people are like, well, you got to, you know, the Colts, uh, you know, a few things come together. And I mean, they were terrible last year. Like they weren't just like Matt Ryan's having a bad year terrible. They were just terrible up and down the roster. And so, yeah, they didn't know. block well. They didn't run well. Right. It was right. it was a mess. Yeah, and so I I think that there's a little bit of a thing here where it's like, and I'm not trying to to you know sort of backdoor criticize the Browns here, but I just think it's the thing where stability gets mistaken for success, right? Yeah. And like, I I th- I mean, and by the way, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that that uh, Chris Ballard has had this job this long, or that Andrew Barry has had the job as long as he has, but. When you look at the roster, you you recognize the names, and you know you know that they are they have played for the team a lot. So it's like, well, they must be pretty good, but the results aren't there. So I just I, I think that's an interesting question of like how you kind of parse where these teams are that seem like in in some sense they're just kind of treading water. Yeah, the uh, situation with the Colts, I would tell you that a lot of people that either write for them or comment on the guys who I follow them that write for them or they're ready. They were ready to be done with Ballard. They were really ready. So surprised that he stuck around and we'll see if that ends up being a good thing or bad thing. But I do think that most of the people who enjoy the Colts uh, think that they made a great selection with Richardson. So, you know, it's going to clearly decide everything about the, uh, the organization here for the, for the foreseeable future. So, um, yeah, that's the two teams. We, they're, they're tier five. We don't need to say anything. Are they better or worse? I mean, probably, probably better, right? I don't know. You tell me. You're the yeah, but I think they, they, you know, I think they lost some talent. I mean, I think it, you know, if the quarterback's not good, they have a chance to be really, really bad. So, I would say that they, they, you know, they treaded, they treaded water, but they solved the quarterback question at least for now. So they're gonna, they have a chance. And, and I mean. Going back to the draft process, you and I both liked Anthony Richardson. You know, if the Browns would have been in the market, he would have been, I think, our choice. So it's a guy um, I would have swung for. Yeah, and and like I said, I think Shane Steichen, you know, young offensive mind. So I think there's a there's a route for this to go well, but I don't think it's a sure thing. All right, tier five team as well. That wraps yep. up the AFC. We'll hit the North in depth in the weeks leading up, probably the week leading up to. Uh, yeah, that'll be fun, to, right? To, to training camp on the 19th. So, all right. Well, that's your last June podcast episode. We made it to July. We did it, guys. Thanks to Andrew for being here, as always, taking his time. And uh, like I always say, I appreciate you guys for being here. Rate and review the pod if you can. And also, if you get some time, check out the OBR, where we have a 50% promo still going on in annual membership, which helps support the shrinking Cleveland media. I'm telling you, you, you know, it's... Uh, the surrounding coverage of the Browns is is not growing in any way. So uh, anything that you can do supporting us, we greatly appreciate it. And we'll obviously gets turned around right into making your experience with the Browns and our website a better functioning place. And, and that's important to us and hopefully important to you too, especially if you're a loyal listener and you're in deep 50 minutes on this podcast like you might be at this point. So consider that 50% off 
Paramount Plus is a great feature of that as well. So thanks again to Andrew. Thanks to you guys. Uh, if this catches you on a Friday, have a fantastic Friday and weekend, everybody. Go Browns. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.